It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 440 of Locked on Raptors for Thursday. It's Thursday, right? I have no idea what day it is this week. Uh, <laughs> for Thursday, That's de- yeah, Thursday, December 27th, I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find me, uh, find the show on Twitter as well at Locked on Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked on Podcast Network Team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. we got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA. We've got weekly contributions from Ben Golliver and Sam Amick over on Locked On NBA. If you're an NFL fan going into the final week of the season, say you're a Tennessee Titans fan like I am or once was uh, now that I've adopted migrated fandom and I'm now like a Chargers fan or a Bears fan or whatever the hell I want to be on a given week. Uh, But if you are a Titans fan or a Colts fan ahead of uh, the big Sunday night matchup that will decide who goes to the playoffs make sure you're checking out the corresponding locked on show for those teams locked on titans locked on colts lots of great info leading up to those games and of course uh if you find a show on the network that you like please subscribe rate and review on itunes stitcher spotify google play all those places uh it's very very helpful for uh, algorithms and rankings and all that good stuff so thank you in advance for taking the time uh yeah, all right welcome to the show it's been a while we haven't done one since after the pacers game I decided to sort of give myself a week off, um, partly because of Christmas, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then uh, last week I was doing like double radio hosting shifts where I was doing like seven hours of on-air time on Thursday and Friday at TSN 1150, so I was just like, I can't talk anymore, so I'm not going to do a podcast. Uh, It turns out, like the games we missed, the Cleveland and Philly games, 
They happened. The Raptors beat Cleveland where they were down like seven guys. Uh, the, the Sixers game was kind of a wash. They, they didn't look very good. Didn't have Kyle or didn't have Kawhi. I don't even know who they didn't have for that one. I had friends over and barely watched that one too. So uh, apologies for not having deep analysis on those two games. But we are here to talk about the Raptors win over the Miami Heat on Wednesday night, which was a very fun game. And joining me is our pal Vivek Jacob. How's it going, buddy? Not bad. I'm sort of getting out of the holiday funk just like you and yeah. looking forward to getting back into to this string of Raptors games um, as we head to the second half of the season, I guess. Yeah, I hope everyone's feeling refreshed. I certainly am. Again, it's been a while since a podcast, so apology if this one is rusty. But uh, a very good game last night to kind of get us kicked off here for the second half of the season, both for the Raptors and the podcast. Uh, Raptors beat the Heat 106-104 in Miami on a Danny Green game-winning three late in the game. Then they held up and were uh, very stout defensively on the final possession despite giving up an offensive board and multiple opportunities at it. Still thought they played good defense regardless for the entire possession. Uh, Vivek, what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' 26th win of the season? My biggest takeaway is uh, it, it, it really helped the Raptors uh, when Hassan Whiteside is not on the court. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought that was a big difference in the game. I know um, they played some good zone defense. They got their shots going um, in the second half. But I thought uh, when Whiteside had to leave the game, um, I thought that really changed things because he caused a lot of problems for Toronto in the first half. Uh, just no, no one really seemed to have the size to be able to cope with him. Serge Ibaka making his uh, return. I think this was the first game he played since December 16th, so you could clearly see the rust mm-hmm. uh, and probably, you know, enjoyed Christmas in Miami. So um, that seemed to be the case with most of the guys uh, in the first half. And then, yeah, they were able to turn around. But I thought, I, I'm not sure. I haven't looked up what the on-off splits were with white side on and white side off, but um, they can't have been pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the raw plus minus. He was a plus 22 best on the team. I don't have the numbers up either. Um, but yeah, Whiteside, this was one of those games where you really miss Jonas, right? Like this was, yeah. this is one of the matchups that historically Jonas has done really well in. And he's kind of neutralized Whiteside quite a bit just because he's very big and is able to sort of stand his ground. Like Whiteside was just bullying Abaka, And whether it's Abaka just being rusty and maybe not being equipped for that, like getting thrown back into the fire against Whiteside isn't the best thing in the world um, to try to like get your rhythm back. Uh, and then obviously Abaka's shooting was off too. But yeah, just... Whiteside being just that physical, you got you did not to not have that counter, and I guess Greg Monroe, you know, as we sort of talked about, is sort of a reasonable facsimile of Jonas Valanciunas, but he's not quite the same sort of strong defender. And, and like Jonas is not a great defender by any means, but he's never really struggled with strength matchups, right? Like he's always able to kind of you know assert his strength and his dominance in the in the post or whatever, and kind of keep guys from getting where they want to go. And that's just not the case with with Whiteside and Ibaka. Like he just Whiteside was able to kind of bully him around. Um, he was really good. 16 points, 12 boards, and uh, yeah, eight of 12 shooting. I didn't think he was awesome late in the game for the Heat, and that's probably why the Raptors were able to pull this one out. Like, Whiteside came in late. He gave up that defensive rebound to Siakam, where Siakam, like, jumped three different times to try to get it, and then Whiteside just was like, all right, I'm tall. I'm going to just try to reach for this, and didn't get it, and Siakam came away with it, um, and he was a little bit... I thought bit... that was hilarious because <laughs> Siakam, Siakam missed time to jump the first time, uh-huh. and then it was, oh, no, I need to jump again, but he was still in the air, and it's like, oh, I got to get back to the ground to jump again. <laughs> <laughs> and then, 
yeah, luckily he was able to get to the ball, but I thought that was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a good point. Hassan Whiteside is... Uh, it really sucks when your team is the one that makes Hassan Whiteside look good, because I still find him to be just the most odious watch in the league. I can't stand watching that dude, but... Um, well, speaking of looking good, yeah. uh, Jonas Valanciunas did not play, but... Oh, boy. He was styling. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost unfair to have him and Serge both out at the same time, like doing their. That was, I guess, the Thursday game or the Friday game against the Cavs, where they both missed. Yeah. Um, and they were both looking dapper as all hell. Yeah, that's not fair. That's just mean and uh, probably distracting to the other team, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> shouts to them for bringing some value, even when they're not playing. Yeah, Jonas is looking good. Um, yeah, the, uh, the I guess the takeaways for me. Uh, Danny Green is amazing. <laughs> um, I thought Danny Green was so, so good in this game. He had four turnovers, but I don't think that really sort of says the story for him because I thought this game, maybe more than any other game this season, we kind of saw the sort of benefit. Remember back in the preseason, Nick Nurse was talking and Danny Green was talking about how, you know, they were letting Danny Green kind of create a little bit more and do more off the bounce. And when the opportunities came, they were okay with him doing that stuff as opposed to him sort of deferring and just sort of being a spot-up guy who wasn't going to do anything off the dribble. You know, we saw last night... He was able to sort of make some plays for himself. He got to the basket a couple times on his own, had a couple nice finishes, and then he had a, a couple of big setups as well. He had a nice dump off, I think, to Greg Monroe early on in the game. He, he had a few, he had two assists, but he felt like he had more plays where he sort of got the ball moving by driving into the teeth of the defense, which is not something we've been like comfortable with Green doing so far this year. But I do think there's been a bit more sort of ease with which he's working in recent games, and I think that's the benefit of saying, hey, like. We're going to be a liberated offense, and everyone's going to be able to do some stuff. And I think we saw that last night. And then, obviously, the threes. He was 4-7 from deep, hit that game winner late, and was just freaking incredible, man. Like, what did you think of Danny Green's performance? Yeah, I mean, did you have any doubt that he was, wasn't was going to make that shot? <laughs> no. Like, as no. soon as Zbibaka swung that ball, I fully expected him to make it. Um, and, yeah, to your point, with him, uh, you know, being allowed to sort of take the ball off the bounce, that's going to be important in the playoffs because we've seen that already teams are going to start piling up on Kawhi and daring other players to do things. And um, Siakam needs to be able to continue to do what he's doing off the bounce. Uh, Kyle Lowry's going to have to get his shot going. And Danny Green, in those moments where he gets the ball, he needs to show that he can also you know, take advantage of you know, being the open guy or being the guy off the swing that can make the shot. And so either way, um, it's encouraging when he has games like this. And, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, I, I saw on his Instagram that he's trying to give himself a push for the All-Star team. Uh, <laughs> I doubt that's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, if, if, if he feels like he can make a push and uh, if he's going to show that he can do some things off the bounce, it, it's only going to make the Raptors better. Yeah, uh, we're going to continue talking about the Raptors uh, win over the Heat in just a second. But first, I want to remind people to check out the Locked On Podcast Network social media feeds on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On NBA Net on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Also at Locked On NFL Net. If you follow those on Twitter, you're just going to get all of the hosts from the NBA or NFL networks just tweeted into your feed. You don't got to go around and follow all 50 or 60 hosts, whatever it is on the network. And you're going to get fresh podcasts. You're going to get breaking news stuff. You're going to get in-game reactions to stuff all in your feed at once. It's a great resource. And then 
then also on the Instagram side, uh, we're posting little snippets of the podcast. Over the weekend, we did a little Q&A with all the hosts from the network where, you know, the little question gets asked. We send in a little 30 to 60 second clip and they post that there. Uh, if you want to listen to the full podcast, you can. But if not, you just get a little condensed condensed take with some video on Instagram. It livens up your feed there too. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's very, very useful. It's a great resource at Locked On NBA and at Locked On NFL Net. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right. uh, Other notes from last night's game. I thought Pascal Siakam had maybe his worst game of the season for the first three quarters, but then was incredible in the fourth. And in particular, I want to run down a stretch late in the game. So the game... It gets pulled to 99-93 for the uh, for the Heat. They go up. There was that like a weird foul there. There was a the, I think they missed both free throws on it, but then they came back and scored another bucket. And I think it was like Justice Winslow bucket of some of some kind. He was really good last night. But uh, so there's this sequence for Siakam where it's 99-96. Kawhi drives, dumps to Siakam. Siakam finds Fred in the corner for three, makes it 99-96. Then Siakam steals, goes coast to coast for an and one. Then he has that crazy rebound against Whiteside. He was just everywhere in those little in that little stretch there that got the Raptors back into the lead. It was 101-99 after Kawhi got fouled and hit some free throws. Um, what did you think of Siakam's performance start to finish in this one? Um, start to finish, yeah, I, I agree with you. He, he, he was slow out of the gate. I mean, but that, that was most of the guys. Um, and then I think the one thing about his game is it's so much more enhanced what he can do uh, when guys around him are making shots. Yeah. Right? And so in the second, second half, when you have guys like Fred making the threes, Danny Green, Kawhi got, really got it going. Um, I think uh, that accentuates what he's able to do, and you saw him take advantage of that. I think in the first half, um, I think it was a bit of an adjustment getting used to going up against a bunch of different wings that that are able to stay in front of him. I, I think that was that one time I even tweeted where yeah, it, it, like he tried to pull the spin move on James Johnson mm-hmm. and just spun right into him. So <laughs> <laughs> um, things like that uh, are good for him as well. I mean, that's what the regular season's for, seeing those different looks and seeing what different guys are able to counter his moves with. Um, and then obviously the fourth, yeah, for him to sort of play free, uh, not have the turnovers he, he had early in the game. Um, I think he was stuck with some foul trouble too. So, because um, I, I remember there was a call that he was mad about. Um, that, no, that was that was him not getting a call. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, in general, I thought uh, the fourth quarter is what turned around. The second half in general was just amazing for the Raptors. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for Siakam from this game will be 
um, the impact minutes he had in the fourth. You obviously outlined all the plays he's made, and I think we've talked about this before where, you know, he's had like those 20, 25-point games, um, but is it, and it's coming sort of in this nice flow where, you know, is it really impacting uh, uh, the, uh, the Raptors winning games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he gets 20, his, his guy uh, might be able to do the same. So I think tonight we saw um, him really change the outcome um, or at least help change the outcome. And I think that's something for him to carry going forward. Yeah, he was on the floor for most of the start of the fourth quarter with the bench guys. OG, Norm, Monroe, and Wright were the guys who were available tonight. CJ Miles, by the way, DNP coach's decision. Interesting. Right. Um, and I think we'll probably see more of that considering Norman Powell's looked pretty good, uh, which maybe we can get to here. So, yeah, that, that foursome of bench guys along with Siakam kind of held up a little bit, like six minutes or so in that fourth quarter because Kawhi essentially played the entire third quarter. I mean, they, they won the quarter 37-21. They were on a run with him in there. It was hard to take him out. And then I think he came out with like 40 seconds left in the quarter maybe and was gassed, and the, the broadcast made note of it, and he looked like visibly gassed. And then the the bench, like they held up so, so well for those six minutes to start the fourth. It was essential, really, because you couldn't have brought Kawhi back in, I, I think, a lot, you know much sooner than they actually brought him in. So um, I, here, here's one for you. Of... Siakam, no, not, not Siakam, of OG, Powell, Monroe, Wright, pick one of those bench performances and wax poetic on it. Because I thought they all kind of brought their own little uh, important, you know, contributions to the game. Yeah, I'm going to go with OG. Yeah. Um, I thought, I, I think the big thing for me has been uh, his rebounding this season. And so to see him get on the glass, I thought that was a big plus. Um, the Raptors in general rebounded the ball pretty well on this night um but i think the big thing just watching him play defense this this is a game like part of why cj didn't play is because of the wings that miami has right Mm -hmm. you have to be able to contribute on both ends and i think og did a really good job of that um and i think the one thing that's cool is you're starting to see more and more he's picking up um he's obviously been talking to Kawhi and learning uh, that swipe on the crossover dribble mm-hmm. uh, and you're seeing him do that more in games now and so I thought that was really cool to see um, and then offensively again you, you, he doesn't need to do too much just take the shots when you're open um, and keep the ball moving uh, when someone else is open beside you but uh, yeah I, I thought this was the type of game where it's kind of like Norman Powell where it's like hey play the best defense you can and whatever you can give us on the offensive end is a bonus. Mm-hmm. And I, when those two guys play like that, um, it changes sort of the ceiling for this team. Um, or it maximizes the ceiling. We know what the ceiling is. Um, they are definitely a championship contender. But to, to aspire to that, these two guys, when they're able to play the way they did um, in this game, I think it makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. I thought OG was really good. The rebounding is a really good point. He had two assists in this one, um, and he had a couple plays. One in particular, I think in the first quarter, end of the first quarter, started the second, something like that. He drove and had a really nice dish to uh, Greg Monroe, and like that's the kind of stuff that we, he flashed like very early on last season in his rookie year before he kind of got into the starting five. I think in his first game, maybe, he had a couple really nice drives and dump-off passes, and that's the kind of stuff that's going to open up 
not only like his ceiling and his development, but also just like the second unit when he's out there. If we're if they're going to continue on with Siakam starting every game, which there's no reason not to at this point, um, aside from maybe just wanting to look at different looks. But Siakam's been so good, and you want to get him all those minutes he can. Um, but like if you're going to have OG out there with the bench. Having him be a source of some creation is so essential. Otherwise, it gets a little bit sticky, right? Um, So I think it was nice to see him have a couple of those little sequences where he wasn't just sort of being a spot-up guy. He was kind of looking for his own offense and looking for uh, other guys' offense as well. So that was good to see. Um, Just a quick note. DeLon Wright, dude. He is so goddamn fun to watch. Just seven points last night, but... Um, I Got thought one layup though. Yeah, the one layup. Oh, he also God. had this pass. It ended up being a missed corner three, but he had this pass to the corner that was just like this acrobatic nonsense. Like it should not. <laughs> that vision is fucking absurd, man. Like he had this like drive to the rim. It was like one of those little slippery finishes, and it looked like he was gonna try to go up and finish. But as he was falling out underneath the baseline, he dished it out to the corner to I think Powell or OG or something. And again, it was a miss. But like the the pass was just absurd and. He had a couple really good finishes and a couple like pretty audacious attempts at finishes. And like if you think back to what his weakness used to be, it was oh he doesn't really go up around the rim. Like he's just looking to kick out most of the time when he gets near the basket. He's almost scared of the basket and doesn't look at it. That's not the problem anymore with the lawn right. Um, he is uh, he's very like creative and uh, Kyrie like around the rim. I think not obviously as refined as Kyrie, but like he tries to do the same kind of stuff. It's very cool. Um, he's, al- he's always got a little extra for D Wade. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's a he's a light. I, I'm the whole Delon Wright future question can be saved for another day. But I made this note last night. Like I'm cool paying him all of the money just so we have his euro steps in our lives. <laughs> it's, it's worth it. I don't care. Give him surge money. I don't give a damn. It's uh, it's uh, it's a delight. He's uh, he's really good. And those minutes with him on the like kind of running the offense in the fourth quarter, like he did such a good job of you know I think Powell. Got a three in the corner at the end of the third quarter off of a, of a right assist as well. Yeah. Um, just uh, a really great, great showing. And Norm Powell, man. Norm's been good since he came back. It's nice to see. And not so nice if you're CJ Miles, but um, how did you like Norm's performance last night? Yeah, solid. This is exactly the Norm that you want. Again, um, going off what you said about OG uh, and those couple of nice plays he made off the bounce, I think uh, for both of them, you see the difference when, as electrifying as it may be, when when they go to the rim sort of a bit more composed, mm-hmm. knowing that they can keep both the pass and their shot uh, at the rim as options, they're so much more effective when they just try to go, uh, you know, all guns blazing and trying to just finish at the rim, right? I think when, when you take away that option and everyone's sort of locked in, oh, okay, yeah, Norman's driving to the rack, we know what he's going to do. Um, when he's able to drive and sort of keep everyone as an option, that it just makes his drive so much more effective. Um, and then again, like just playing off his defense is the biggest thing for me. I think that's where Raptors fans fell in love with him in that rookie season. Um, that's what he did in that, those playoffs against Indiana. Um, and that's what, what he is. I think embracing who he is as a basketball player um, is perfectly fine thing for him to do because he's a pretty effective one so i think um he doesn't necessarily need to step outside of his zone uh on this team obviously there's going to be times where maybe uh guys are struggling off the bench and so he'll have to take on a bit more of the uh playmaking responsibilities and whatnot but uh, outside of that i think this is a 
a team that's perfectly constructed for him to just be himself, uh, do the things that he does best, and then everything else just sort of uh, comes in off that as a bonus. Yeah, and like the, I think what he offers in place of Miles, like yes, Miles in theory is a better shooter, but like Norm's defense is obviously way beyond where Miles is at this point, and like if you can just have that unit be all good defenders who, you know, in the case of Powell and OG and Wright, like, there are guys now, when you have them out there, I mean, Miles can do a little bit off the bounce, and he's kind of smooth doing it, but um, doesn't really maybe take advantage of that all that often. Like, Powell's not afraid to kind of take control of the offense and sort of add a little bit more creation and dynamism into the into the whole mix there. So I... I I think I have kind of said this from the start of the year, and I will continue to say it. Like, I think Powell is a, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the year, Miles just isn't playing at all. Like, if this, if last night was sort of a uh, a bit of foreshadowing as to what we're going to see with the rotation when it really matters. And it's because the Raptors have more invested in Powell, obviously, and because Powell's younger and maybe there's a bit more upside there to mine. And I, I feel bad for CJ Miles, man. It sucks. Like, I, I, I wish... He could kind of figure things out and get back rolling, and I'm sure there will be more injuries this season because the Raptors can't stay freaking healthy for a day or, or you know more than a day. But um, you know, I, I just I don't see Miles really having that much of a role when the team is fully healthy and Norm is actually in there, kind of doing what he did last night. It just it doesn't make a lot of sense because you know he's in theory the one guy on the team who's not a two way player. Everyone else is a good defender or at least a passable defender in the case of Jonas. And it's just, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have Miles out there as the one weak link that teams can exploit. It sucks, but especially if he's not going to be hitting his threes, which is kind of what he's supposed to be doing. Um, but we can address the CJ Miles question a little bit more in the future. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's wrap this thing up with uh, talk about some zone defense, baby. We had lots of zone last night. Both teams kind of busting it out. Uh, I don't know. Does this stuff interest you at all? It's kind of intriguing, I guess. The Raptors, I think, have been stifled a couple times by the zone this year. Um, but that tends to happen. Teams face a zone, and they're you know kind of confused for a couple possessions, and they kind of figure it out. Was there anything that you noticed from how the Raptors... Let's start with how they dealt with the zone that the Heat threw at them first. Um, was there anything that you noticed that you know is either encouraging or discouraging about how they dealt with it? I mean, I, I think the big thing with the zone defense, and you saw it on both sides, is like you need to be able to make shots. Yeah. Um, that that's the one thing that breaks the zone is you just sort of penetrate and kick, and you make if you make those threes, then they have to go away from it quicker. If you don't, then teams are going to stick with it. And you saw that uh, with the Raptors in the first half. You saw that with the Heat in the second half. So um, I think that pretty much tells the story. Uh, the one thing I will say. In, in, in that's true for both teams is because of the wings that they have the space that they're able to cover mm-hmm. uh, I, I think allows them to play the zone that much more effectively and get around and scramble and probably execute the zone better than most teams mm-hmm. um, that probably helps uh, in terms of just contesting those threes once you know teams do penetrate and force you to sort of pack the paint but uh, outside of that um yeah, I think it's just it's the case of making shots against the zone and trying to sort of get them to snap out of it as, as soon as possible. 
One other thing, too, that I noticed last night, and there was one play, I think out of a timeout, where Nurse drew up something really good to sort of take advantage of this, is like, the Raptors in, in Siakam and in Monroe in particular have pretty good passing bigs. Like, And I think Jonas has probably kind of moved to the point of being like a decent passing big. I don't think he's great or anything. He's not Marc Gasol, but he's fine. Um, Ibaka, obviously not quite there. But using those passing bigs and sort of that like soft spot near the elbows to try to find cutters and, and sort of corner shooters and sort of use that as sort of the fulcrum point of the offense, I think that was kind of useful a couple times last night. I think Siakam made a nice pass to the corner for a three uh, through the zone in the first half. And then in the second half there was that out of timeout play where they ran it for you know Monroe got the ball around the elbow Siakam cut from the top he hit Siakam Siakam got picked up I think two free throws out of it um so little stuff like that too I think if like you really had to sort of break the glass in case of emergency against the zone having Siakam and Monroe kind of work as little point forwards there is kind of useful I think so that that's that's the only notes on that did you uh like what the Raptors did in going against the heat with the zone as well yeah for sure I mean I mean I think you're just looking for some kind of rhythm. And again, like you look at the length that the Raptors have, it's the type of thing that they can uh, exploit. Um, don't hate on Serge's uh, passing, man. He had the game-winning assist. This is true. Not the night to to uh, disparage his passing. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bleep that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Career high assist percentage on the season, too. So. Um, yeah, you had four assists last night. Goddamn. Yeah. All right. Never mind. Disregard me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, though. No, no. He's not like tossing beauty passes. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm just hating shots. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, in terms of zone defense, I, I thought it was a good way to maybe find some rhythm. I, and I think that again, like you have to appreciate what Nurse is doing in these games where the Raptors are struggling to find something, right? And mm-hmm. He's not afraid to quickly change things over, try to find some kind of rhythm. I mean, this is the second time in a week that they've overturned a 17-point deficit, right? Yeah. So um, the fact that he's able to recognize these things, and the thing I like is, you know, he's able to take these things and then take what he's learned and implement them going forward as well. You know, I looked at that Indiana game where uh, finally after, you know, trying to find some kind of rhythm without Kyle Lowry uh, to run, uh, run the offense. He found something with Siakam at the five. Mm-hmm. And then guess what he does uh, against Cleveland? He starts the game off with Siakam at the five. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, not not to make comparisons, but I don't, I don't think we would have seen that from Dwayne Casey. Um, so I think uh, that's something that, that encourages me the most, just the fact that he's willing to do whatever he can in the moment to try and find a solution. Um you definitely have a coach that is willing to react in-game, uh, make adjustments, um, and it doesn't seem like he's just throwing stuff at a, at a wall just to see what sticks. Um, he might have been forced to that point because of how many different things he tried uh, when Lowry uh, has been out of the offense, but um, I think overall, I think there's been a lot of good strategy and a lot of uh, effective um game tactics mm-hmm. uh, in terms of understanding the personnel that's on the court and responding accordingly. Yeah, I do think, and I've kind of said this a little bit too, like I think the first third of the season or so was very much just like the data collection period for Nurse, and now yeah. we're starting to see him kind of put that into practice a little bit. We've, we've seen more of Pascal at the five after barely seeing it at all in the first part of the year, um, and we've seen more of the zone. We, I, I just... We're seeing a little bit of, in terms of just like you know creative lineups and stuff like that. I just think he is uh, he's kind of starting to realize what works for his team and like where the data you know kind of lines up. And I, I just 
I think this is where we're really going to start to see him shine. And I think he's done a really, really good job of coaching, man. Like, I know I don't like like coach, you know, adoration or anything like that. It's not my favorite thing in the world because I think the players ultimately probably have more impact on the on the games. But like, I do think the that that nurse has done a really good job of managing this team. And obviously, with all the injuries and the different lineups he's had to you know roll out there, he has you know he I think he's done really really well with what he's been given in terms of health and, and just available players. And also, maybe there's something to the idea that. The Raptors right now are number two in the league in net rating in third quarters, uh, nine, plus 9.5. And, like, they're number two in the league or number one or three or whatever in the league in net rating in general. So maybe this isn't that telling. But uh, they've been doing really good in third quarters, which is uh, maybe something to say, like, hey, they're making adjustments coming out and, and just shit-kicking teams in the third quarter because they're more prepared. Uh, obviously, there was that back-to-back with the Clippers and Warriors last uh, couple weeks ago where they seemed, like, in- immensely prepared for that game. Um, so yeah, just Nick Nurse. He's doing a good job. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. I think that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you uh, for coming on, buddy. Do you have anything you want to plug right now? Um, got a Kyle Lowry story that's uh, pending for The Athletic. So that should be up uh, soon, hopefully. Cool. Um, just looking at him um, and how he's been attacking... Uh, teams that sort of throw size at him right. off the pick and roll, whether it's small forwards, power forward, center. Just looking at that, and, um, the difference is maybe early in the season compared to uh, what we've seen in the last uh, 10 games or so. Right on. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Follow Vivek at Vivek M. Jacob. You can follow me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, thanks so much for everyone for dealing for a week, with a week off. I needed it badly. <laughs> so I, uh, I thank you very much. And we will be back tomorrow probably. Maybe it's time we do one of our classic Eastern Conference check-ins with one of our Eastern Conference opponent hosts and we just kind of do a chat. Chris Manning, I don't know. Maybe we'll see what Chris is up to because the Cavs are sad. Maybe he wants to talk about other teams. Actually, yeah. I'll try to make that happen for Friday. So stay tuned for that. Uh, And, uh, yeah, stay tuned for a whole lot more as the Raptors continue on with this very fun and good season on Locked on Raptors. Uh, We will talk to you next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.